Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the monthly or annual plan and also to download a 2021 training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance fines, and more. Think about that back and forth you go through with some vendors to get an accurate IRS form W-9. Well, in today's episode, we're gonna talk about what you should do when that happens. Keep listening. Welcome to episode 130, what to do when your vendor does not know how to complete the IRS form W-9. I receive lots of requests and questions on the vendor master file and the vendor onboarding and change process. Um, But this request was different. This request was to see if I had a reference to give to vendors when they didn't know how to complete the IRS form W-9, which from here on out, I'm just going to call the W-9. And we've all been there. So I do want to start off with um, the purpose of the W-9 form. And then I want to talk about um, vendor common errors when completing the W-9. And then I'll end up with um, your next steps, like what to do when you're in that situation. So starting with the purpose of the W-9 form. So the title of the W-9 is officially the Request for Taxpayer Identification Number and Certification. And per the Internal Revenue Service of the IRS, um, on the instructions for the W-9, it says that an individual or entity, um, the Form W-9 Requester, who is required to file an information return with the IRS must obtain your correct taxpayer uh, identification number, the 10, which may be your social security number, SSN, individual taxpayer identification number, the I-10, the adoption taxpayer identification number, the A-10, or the employer identification number, the EIN to report on an information um, return the amount paid to you or other amount reportable on an information return. Now, if you are scratching your head over the taxpayer identification numbers or the tens, the four different types, um, I kind of was two over one of them. So there were four, it was a social security number, which we know um, is for individuals. It can be sole proprietors, single member LLCs um, for companies, or if those sole proprietors, single member LLCs, 
individuals have uh, uh, employees, they have to have an EIN. And so uh, they could have an SSN or an EIN or that EIN could be for the company. Um, the I-10, the individual taxpayer identification number, that's for individuals that for whatever reason, um, and I don't have all the criteria for that, but for whatever reason, they are not eligible for a social security number um, to be issued by the Social Security Administration. And so the IRS will issue uh, an individual taxpayer identification number for them. Uh, and then the last one is the one that had me scratching my head because it's an A-10. It's the adoption taxpayer identification number. And I don't know if this will ever be relevant, but uh, the purpose of that is for, uh, for example, if a parent adopts a child and that child uh, does not yet have a social security number, but they want to claim them on their taxes, they would apply for uh, an A-10. And I don't know if that would ever be the case with a W-9, but I do know that we are used to seeing that SSN and that EIN, and maybe uh, there's an individual taxpayer identification number in there somewhere. Um, it is uh, also, uh, all of them are nine digits and the I-10 is uh, formatted the same as the social security number. So I'm not sure if maybe we've used those in the past and didn't know, um, but uh, those are the four numbers that are part of the taxpayer identification number or the choices of the taxpayer identification number. Anyway, um, so I'd like to add to all of that by saying that each and every vendor you onboard, uh, you should require a W-9 be submitted as proof of exemption from either backup withholding and or reporting. So yes, that means corporations or vendors that your company currently expects to pay only $599 or less, because we know everybody knows about that $600 threshold for most types of payments, for some types of payments is less. Um, not to mention the fact that the successful IRS 10 match can be an indicator that the vendor is not a fraudster. So I do want to say here um, as a disclaimer, I am not a tax professional. So please make sure you check with your tax professional um, before making any uh, decisions on um, on uh, the 1099, the W-9s, the 1099s and any related tax um, tax filings. But I do, it won't hurt anything to collect the W-9 from all of your vendors and then also do the IRS 10 match. Uh, it won't hurt anything, but it could help uh, long-term if uh, you do decide to pay that vendor uh, more than the threshold or that corporation turns out to be, you know, provide legal services or any type of medical payments. Uh, those have to be reported regardless, then you would, uh, you would have it. And, and don't forget, um, you probably don't forget, but other people might that are not in AP that um, we don't always know what those payments are going to be for. Uh, and so you can't make a decision at the time of vendor setup that you don't need to, uh, you do not need to collect a W-9 because, you know, you're not going to be able to threshold or these payments don't, uh, don't, uh, uh, warrant it because in some cases, even though you're buying goods, uh, you might also buy services that are on the same invoice. Uh, so any event, uh, it doesn't hurt to require a W-9. And I know a lot of you um, already do that. 
at the time of vendor setup, but it also doesn't hurt to require a W-9 again when the vendor has changes either. So while the IRS provides verbiage in the W-9 instructions to let the payee know that when there are changes, uh, they uh, need to reach out to um, the payer and let them know. Well, we know our vendors don't always do this. They typically only reach out if their change somehow triggers an issue with the payment. So for example, if they've sent in their invoices in in one name, uh, maybe it's an EDI um, file, they're sending it in and they've changed their uh, name, then that's gonna you know, throw an error in the EDI file, they won't get paid. So they'll probably report that. But if their invoices are in a DBA and they change their legal name, then they're not going to have an issue and you may never know. Um, so they typically only reach out if their change somehow triggers an issue with the payment and then you find out when you go to file or when you do your um, uh, vendor master file cleanup and you run the IRS 10 match again and find out that it's no longer a match. So um, with any of the changes is best to ask, um, especially whenever they submit a change to the information that's included um, on the W-9, uh, the tax ID and name change or even an address. All right, so what are some of the common errors um, that are seen when completing the W-9? And I'm sure there's more than the one, two that I'm gonna talk about here today. Um, but many of you share these same problems. And let's face it, the Verizons of the world know how to complete their W-9s. Uh, as a side note, you just need to make sure you get the right one. And most companies will even have the latest version on hand to submit to you before you even ask for it. However, you may have a specific vendor population that is mostly mom and pop or other non-business type vendors. And when you ask them for a W-9, they have never heard of it and definitely don't know how to complete it. So you point them to the form and instructions, which they do not read. But when you remind them that if they don't submit uh, the W-9, you will back up withhold 24% of their payment. So they, they, they hear the 24% um, uh, portion. And then that whole back and forth starts with the right information in the wrong places. So let's talk about two common errors. And I say two errors, but what it really is, is two errors for each, uh, for two different tax classifications. So let's start with the tax classification, individual, sole proprietor, single member LLC, that first one. So the first uh, common error is line one. The legal name should be their first name and their last name, yet they enter in the name that is on their invoices, John Doe Lawn Service. Okay, so that's one. Number two is line two. They do not include the name on their invoice, John Doe Lawn Service. So it should be John Doe on line one, their first and last name, and John Doe Lawn Service online to their DBA or disregarded entity, which by the way, no one knows what that disregarded entity means um, on the form. So you, you probably end up explaining that a lot too. Okay, 
The second most common error is with tax classification limited liability company. And here are the two errors under that one. The first one is the vendor doesn't think they need to fill out the form because they are quote unquote a limited liability corporation. Don't know how many times I've gotten that in the past. I know you have too because they think the word um, is corporation instead of limited liability company. And since they said corporation, it they figured they don't need to submit a 1099. So that's one. The second one is, is that the vendor will select the classification limited liability company, but they don't fill in the letter indicating how they are taxed, either as a C corporation, as a S corporation, or as a partnership. And if you receive uh, a W-9 where that tax classification is selected, but they haven't entered in that letter, you need to send it back because if it's a C corporation or S corporation, um, then it's not reportable, but if it's a partnership, uh, it is. And so you need to know whether or not that vendor is reportable, so they need to fill that letter in. Okay, so let's now uh, shift to your next steps what you can do when your vendor does not know how to complete that uh, W-9. So yes, I know that when you use 10check.com and if you guys haven't checked it out, um, check it out. It can really consolidate a lot of your um, validations into one. Um, and I'm not affiliate of anything or anything with them, but I have used that in the past. I continue to use it when I do vendor master file cleanups for my clients. And it is kind of a one-stop shop um, for many of the validations. But anyway, um, I know when you use 10check.com and you input the vendor's legal name and employer identification number, that EIN, that the results will pop up with the vendor's name as registered on the IRS's EIN database, if it's there. Now, it doesn't work with the social security number because again, it's the EIN database, um, but I don't recommend that you reveal that to your vendor um, if they have put their uh, made a mistake and put uh, uh, the wrong, um, uh, name in the legal name. Uh, maybe they put their, uh, their first name and last name or, or, and, and didn't put the company name, or maybe they put, um, a company name and it's not the right company name. I mean, you never know. It could be, uh, uh, different scenarios, but you know what the actual name is. And it might even be close to what they're, um, to what they're doing. Maybe they flip flop between the disregarded entity and, and the legal name, but I don't, recommend that you reveal that to the vendor because what if they don't know the name because they are a fraudster? So what I would say, because now you have to go back to the vendor because the W-9 is not valid. And so what I would say um, is that you really have um, three, uh, uh, actually four options. The first one is to, once again, point them to the IRS form W-9 instructions. Uh, and if they read it, they should uh, uh, be able to figure out that uh, they need to put a valid vendor legal name um, 
uh, in on their W-9. And by the way, if they do not remember um, what their valid legal uh, name is that they registered with the IRS with, for example, those that have that EIN, uh, there is a number that they can call in order to get a copy of their um, registered uh, uh, employer identification number and legal name. Uh, and what they'll get is a uh, letter back. It'll be a 147C. And so uh, they do have a, a recourse for that. So point them to the IRS form W-9 instructions. Um, that's one. And then the second one is, and I didn't know this until I was doing some research uh, for um, an offering that I'll have and, and the blog post and, and this uh, podcast, is that the IRS on their IRS video portal, they have a video that is um, uh, called how to complete the form W-9 and it is strictly for those vendors that need assistance on how to uh, how to uh, complete the form. Now, the one thing I will say about it is, is that it still uses, you know, IRS still uses IRS language. And uh, even though, you know, they say disregarded entity, again, um, vendors may not know what that means. So they're still using IRS language, but there is an IRS video. And by the way, all of these things that I'm talking about, I'll have links to it in the blog post that accompanies this uh, podcast. And I'll have a link to that blog post in the uh, show notes. So that's the second one. Now, the third one is to switch to a substitute W-9 form. Uh, and I'll link to a blog post that I did late last year, maybe it was even in 2019, about one reason to switch to a substitute form um, W-9. And the one reason, uh, I won't keep you uh, in suspense here, the one reason is because you get to get more data, but you really can combine your vendor setup form with your uh, with the IRS W-9. They don't care if you have a substitute. Um, they just want to make sure that you have all the uh, elements that they require. And they um, and I think I have a link within that blog post so that you can verify it. Um, but the substitute W-9 will help you in that instead of trying to make sure the vendor puts the legal name in the legal name and the DBA in the disregarded entity line, um, line two, then you can just ask them, what is the name of your, uh, what is the name that is on your invoices? Bam, they'll put that. What is your first and last name? Bam, they'll put that. What is your tax classification? Um, they'll put that. And if they put uh, sole individual or check, so uh, individual sole proprietor or um, single member LLC, that first one, then you know that all you have to do is put the first and last name in with their social security number or their EIN and you can run the IRS 10 match. And you didn't have to uh, cross your fingers and uh, hope that the vendor was able to put the first, their first name, last name and their DBA name, that name that's going to be on the invoices in the right places on the W-9. So that's just food for thought. 
Now that was the third one. The fourth and the last one is something that I've just actually created. Um, it was, uh, I talked about it earlier, how I had a request to, if I had some type of document to send to the vendors to uh, help them understand how to complete uh, the W-9. And again, I don't, uh, I'm not a proponent of telling them where they need to put their information, but but I can definitely take what the IRS provides in publication 1220 um, on the IRS W-9 uh, instructions and uh, make that change that into more layman's terms so that they understand how to complete that form. And what I did is I turned that into not only um, what I consider a one pager uh, called the Vendor Non-Official Guidance for Completing the IRS Form W-9. Uh, so I completed or I created that one pager, um, but I also uh, included or created um, a 26 page document that helps the vendor team know what to look for when they're accepting these uh, W-9s. Because, you know, it could be the case where you may have new vendor team members uh, and not only do the vendors not know how to complete those W-9s, but neither may your vendor team. And so what I created was, uh, it's called the IRS Form W-9 examples by tax classification. It's a non-official guide to train your vendor team. So I'm all about vendor training. Uh, it's 26 pages. It comes with a separate uh, PDF, that uh, one pager that you can send to your vendors that need assistance, uh, that need assistance completing the W-9. And it also has references for them on that uh, one pager as well. It has the number to the IRS if they need to get a copy of the 140 47C form we talked about earlier. It has a link to the instructions. It has a link to that video that the IRS um, put out. And so the whole document, um, including that separate PDF for the vendors, is taken from um, all of the IRS guidance related to the W-9. And it's all kind of packaged up into a 26-pager uh, for the vendor team and a one-pager for the vendors. So I'll put um, a link to that again it'll be in the blog but I'll put a link to that also in um, in the show notes and you can uh, take a look and see if you would like to purchase that for your team all right so after all of that so those were your next steps the four um, that you can take if your vendor just does not know how to complete the uh, IRS form w9 um, but if nothing worked and you definitely still need to pay the vendor because don't we all just need to pay the vendor? Sometimes by the time we even get uh, the uh, information, the service has been done, the goods have been received for whatever reason, and we do need to pay the vendor, then go ahead and pay the vendor without the uh, W-9. Uh, try to validate other information to make sure that it is a real vendor. But backup withhold 24% uh, until they submit a valid W-9. So at least you will not get uh, in trouble with uh, the IRS.
So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 130th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.